The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You get to draft against you know, three, five, ten-man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. It keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, but they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second, drafts are filling. They have them up until your game. Games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. It's really good content. content uh, great to listen to, actually, uh, a couple weeks from now. So he'll be joining the podcast, and uh, we'll get the whole real fake baseball, you know, bump, I guess. No. <laughs> nice. It's good to hear that that kid's doing something these days. I mean, I was worried about him for a little while there, but... Uh, I, lo- I love your guys back and forth on the podcast. It's always a uh, always great, always great. No, and you guys are buddies and can uh, talk sports and have fun doing it. So it's always good. Yeah, we try to uh, be buddies sometimes. Sometimes. All right, let's talk uh, a couple of the recent uh, acquisitions because you know there hasn't been a whole lot of anything. But the main one that took place recently was the Blue Jays acquiring Randall Grichik from the St. Louis Cardinals for a couple of youngsters. The most important one to me, and probably to you, Dominic Leone. Uh, let's start with Grichik. Uh, interesting piece because you know many think. Remember last year he was sent down a single A at times. He came up. He still has good power, um, but really the Cardinals had nowhere for him. Not saying the uh, Jays quite do, but right now he's going about a 383rd overall in the NFBC. What kind of impact do you think him going to to Toronto uh, has for us this year? Yeah. 
I'm not sure if the playing time opens up that much more in Toronto. I know there's a lot of young guys. I mean, they have Pilar, obviously. They brought in Teoscar Hernandez. They brought in Curtis Granderson. They already had some pieces there. Nothing too exciting. But then they had Anthony Alford as well. So I'm not sure if the playing time really just stands out when he moves to the Blue Jays. But at the same time, if he does get the playing time, you're looking at a pretty good bat. I mean, here's a guy who always has hit fly balls. He's always hit them hard. He's always pulled them. And moving to a better park, it's only going to benefit him. And then I said it on the podcast this morning, too. He's going to the Josh Donaldson School of Hitting, which we always know is open for session. So, I mean, if you want to look at that as a narrative, that's fine, but it can't hurt to go to a team where he's batting with a guy like that, who kind of without the walks, he just does have the power. Like Grichuk has that power where he could hit 30 to 35 home runs in a season, but it all has to come together. The strikeouts have to come down and it's a good move. If the playing time is there, in my opinion. And that's 100% how I see it. If the playing time is there, we're talking about a guy the last three years, 103 games, 132, 122, 17, 24, 22 homers. He even has five-plus steals in each of the last two years. You give him 150 games, we're talking, like you said, there's 30-plus homer potential, especially in that ballpark with the Donaldson factor, all those things you mentioned. I'm just wondering because it's weird when you know they picked up Granderson earlier in the week and they go and acquire Gritchick. Are they going to platoon? And um, it kind of stinks that they're halting. It looks like they're halting Alford's, you know, come to the big moment. It, it's it's really an interesting look in Toronto, but uh, maybe they'll, they'll find something for him there. I'm not sure, though. Um, with that being said, let's look at the piece they, uh, the Cardinals acquired, one of the two, Dominic Leone. Very sneaky, sneaky relief pitcher. Really good stuff. Uh, what are your takes on uh, Leone here? Yeah, absolutely. And he wasn't really sneaky. I mean, he was sneaky if you were crazy before last year. I mean, he was kind of sneaky maybe a little while ago, but he he kind of fell off the map and then all of a sudden reappeared last year with the Blue Jays. And he kind of reappeared right into the big leagues for them, pitched 70 innings and really good innings at that out of nowhere. And that Cardinals bullpen is really murky right now. I would, I could see a situation where he might get a few saves this year. I mean, Luke Gregerson is not really a concrete block or anything like that. And there's nothing else there that really excites me other than Alex Reyes. So I wouldn't be too mad when this guy's ADP is zero. Yeah. It's crazy because the most recent NFBC ADP updates that I just pulled up right before we started he currently is going 590th overall, which <laughs> uh, tells you something. Uh, somebody, this must have happened today. All of a sudden, they're starting to think what you're thinking, what I'm thinking, that he could be a potential closer in the making in St. Louis. Um, somebody took him 374th overall. Yeah, so, I just saw that. That's crazy. Yep. People yeah, are thinking the same. they must have heard the podcast this morning because I was just talking about that move, too. I mean, it's a to me, those moves are big. I, I like moves like that. And the Cardinals getting a sneaky player like that. I don't really care for Connor Green. And like you said, Gritchick didn't really have much room to play over there anyway. So it's kind of just a relief pitcher for Randall Gritchick, which in this market is kind of fair. It's very fair. And uh, one last interesting stat. Um, there's a follow on Twitter, STL Cup of Joe. He's been following the Cardinals for years and writes articles. He was at their their uh, presser the other day. He's, he does a lot of research on pitching and, you know, different tweaks to a pitcher. 
and he, he did he's researching Leon. He's got a piece coming out, but one tidbit he gave us was his slider induced sixty point four two percent swing and misses last year. And um, it was 29 misses on just 48 swings. Okay. So if you throw out any more there, like over 60% swing and miss rate is insane. Absolutely insane. So yeah. that's some good stuff to like there. That, absolutely. Yeah. The, the slider's nasty. The cutter, it's, it's, it all looks like it's pretty good for Leon. So he has multiple pitches. So who knows? Maybe they want to use him as a multi-inning guy, which honestly could be pretty good for your ratios too. So either way, he's worth a look. Yeah, definitely. like saves hold leagues, which are becoming more and more you know popular these days. Yeah. This is a great piece to pick up. Um, Absolutely. So I definitely, definitely like it. But let's get to the important stuff here. Mr. New yes. York Yankee. Let's talk Yankees. <laughs> um, this is something I like to do with guests. If, if we don't have like, you know, we're not talking position battles or anything like that. I like to get the the feelings of an actual fan that also analyzes stuff so they can kind of separate the two also. So this is really good. We'll kick it off with your newest toy, Giancarlo Stanton, NL MVP, just a monster. It's going ninth overall in the NFBC right now, ADP wise. He's got his highest third, which is pretty crazy to me. Um, what are you seeing with Stanton? What what are you expecting out of Stanton this year? See, right off the bat, we're gonna seem pretty biased, you know, because I have him sixth, but I'm not sure if that's too high. I mean, my ideal first round would sixth, probably sixth be o- sixth overall or sixth outfielder. No, sixth overall. Uh, I mean, I have him behind Bryce, Trey Turner, Goldie, Altuve, and Trout, obviously. But I don't think that's too crazy. I mean, that that whole range behind those first five, in my opinion, is kind of it's whoever you like the most. And in my opinion, I mean, he could easily repeat what he did last year. I mean, the lineup that he's going to be in this year is just as good, if not possibly better than the one that he's coming from that he just had, you know, tied for the league lead in RBIs or the league lead in RBIs, whatever. He was close. And the home runs, obviously, the lack of strikeouts last year was obviously really good for him, too. And he got even better after he switched the stance. So there's all of that stuff going into it. And I really do think that he's the kind of player that will benefit from a move like this. I mean, he's never played for a winning team. It's been such a long time. He's been a great player. He had some bad luck with the injuries, the face, all of that stuff. So moving to a team where he's finally going to be winning and expected to win, I I think it's only going to benefit him. And I don't know if we see better numbers than we did from last year, but if we got the same numbers, I would definitely be taking that sixth, and I could see that happening again, which is kind of crazy to predict. But, I mean... Maybe that's a little bias going into it, but I could see that happening. I don't think it's that crazy. It's kind of what we always expected from him. Yeah, it's like like you said, we always expected it. We always, before last season, would say, can we just get one full season of Giancarlo Stanton? That's right. all we want. Because he's always had like the freak injury or some other injury. It's, like you said, it just hampers him. Give us a full year, and we got it. Now he's going to go to a better ballpark, a better lineup around him. Lots to love. Um, before we go to the next few players – where do you see Stanton and Judge and all those guys? Where do you see them sitting in the lineup together? Um, I I really see. I'm of the opinion that it doesn't really matter what order they're in, as long as they're back to back to back. Um, I, I think that a lot of people would probably say put a lefty in there or whatever to break them up, but 
I, they're just so good that if they're all protecting each other in the lineup, it's not even going to matter. Uh, sliding Didi in there or something or whatever isn't really going to do anything. So I would probably say Judge Stanton Sanchez. Um, but that could change. I mean, who really knows? It, it's going to be pretty amazing to see what they do with that lineup next year. And I think uh, Steamer has the, has Stanton predicted or projected as like the third best hitter next year by dollar amount or something like that. I'm not I'm not sure, but he's up there. So I, I, I'm not the only crazy one. I know he should uh, definitely be in a good spot. It helps when you have a guy like Aaron Judge who hit 52 home runs last year, <laughs> the AL Rookie of the Year. Either, like you said, hitting before him, hitting after him. Expect a, a player in his second full season to duplicate those numbers is could could be crazy. At the same time, you know, Steamer still has him for 37 homers, 254, so a 30 point drop off on batting average, which obviously would affect the rest of the ratios. But what are you feeling with Judge? Because the part where I initially want to say, yeah, there's definite massive regression coming. At the same time, he was injured for over half the season last year with a shoulder injury. Right. And so what are you thinking when it comes to Judge? Yeah, with Judge, I, it, it's really tough because with without that shoulder injury, you know, what are you looking at? But but then at the same time, he had that crazy September. So did it affect him that much? Who really knows? I mean, he kind of came back and did okay. So, um, but yeah, uh, the increased BABIP and all of that, I really do think the batting average is going to be kind of plus. I, I don't think 240, 250 is really what we should expect, even though that's kind of what everyone sees. A big part about lack of BABIP numbers is like, you know, not being able to hit the ball hard the opposite field. And Aaron Judge has no problem hitting the ball hard really to any part of the field. So if he's able to do that, and, you know, he has decent speed. So that's going to be an okay number for the rest of his career. As far as the home runs, I think 37 is definitely light. Uh, we've seen the power that he has. As long as he's healthy, I couldn't see a situation where he's not hitting at least 40. I mean, there's plenty of guys now that can hit close to 30. And, I mean, even Jose Ramirez was close to 30, 29 last year. He's a tiny guy. I mean, Aaron Judge has the raw power to at least hit 40 every year. And even if it's not baked into the projections at this point, I think it will be at some point. Um, this is also a guy who improved from basically being off the roster to being an MVP candidate and almost winning it a year later. So I don't even think we know if he's absolutely done improving. Uh, the swinging strike rate can show that he might actually improve the K rate next year. There could be some things that he actually gets better at. Um, so I don't think everything is at its ceiling for Aaron judge, but it's looking pretty close. Um, that I, I really like him in the second round next year to sum it all up though. Yeah. Right now he's going uh, about uh, 17th overall in the NFBC. And, um, if you look at his, basically all the stats through the minors on once he got comfortable at a level, he was hitting 270, 280 plus every time. The only time he had dips in his average is like when he just transitioned to a new level and probably to get comfortable or whatever. So he's always produced that way. And it, like you said, it does help. When you have an exit velocity that a guy like Aaron Judge and a guy like Giancarlo Stanton have, you're going to find a lot of holes out there, a ton of holes. <laughs> so right. um, I, I agree that 255 average seems a little low. I, I wouldn't be shocked 265, 270, and 40 plus, definitely like a 40 plus, you know, 100 plus RBI type guy 
definitely something to look forward to, um, you know, stay healthy for a season. A lot to like there. And, again, we're going to say with a lot of these guys, that lineup's so stacked, you can't really pitch around many people to make it work. No. Especially the so, guy with the league-leading walk rate of last year. Was he league-lead, or was did Votto actually lead the league? Or He was close, though. He was very, very close, because uh, yeah. last year – Last year, Judge walked 18.7% of the time. Ridiculous. Which, for a kid that's just going to be turning 26 this season, is really crazy. Um, Absolutely. And that's a lot to look forward to there. Now, kind of the third piece, and this is no disrespect to the rest of the lineup, the third piece of this puzzle is who I feel is the best hitter out of the three is uh, Gary Sanchez. And he's the top catcher going off the board in most leagues. And, you know, rightfully so, unless your name's Wilson Contreras, you would agree with this. Um, what are your thoughts on Gary Sanchez? He's going 21st overall in the NFBC. Yeah, maybe Wilson Contreras' mom or, or, or something too. But, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Gary Sanchez is clearly a world-class hitter. Uh, there's no real way around that. The way he catches the ball could possibly become an issue at some point. But right now, it looks like the only place he's going to get involved in the lineup is if he's the catcher. Um, it's just so stacked around New York right now. And this is a guy who's hit, uh, you know, he's got 175 games played right now. He's got 53 home runs in his career. And that's an insane number. And we don't even know if that's his ceiling yet. He had 525 plate appearances last year with 33 home runs. He's not only a second round hitter as a catcher, he's probably a second round hitter overall. Um, There's a debate you know, there's a lot of debate around if we should do no catcher leagues now, if we should improve or uh, just add more utility slots and where would Gary Sanchez go if it was all utility slots. I think that he would still go second, maybe third round, but you would get a steal, I think, if you got him in the third round at that point. And I think sky's the limit with him. Like you said, he could be the best hitter out of all three. Yeah, um, it, it's really crazy. You said 175 games. Like, he only played 122 games last year, so it put 33 homers out there, hit 280, basically. Yeah. Um, and all the projections have him playing about 120-ish games, which I guess you can expect. Like you said, the, the defense kind of hinders him at times, and that could easily get improved. I'm not saying that can't change. But um, it, he's not going to DH or anything. Again, another guy just turned 25, so the embarrassment of riches with the youth in New York. Um there's a lot to like about him, and that's an interesting thing because I never heard it, but I completely agree with it because personally, I'm not a fan of the two catcher leagues. I like to stay with one because I think it's like almost like in football, you're wasting roster spots when you start putting too many kickers and defenses and stuff out there. So yeah. not to disrespect the catcher's position, but when it comes to fantasy, they kind of you, you do say, okay, I'm going to pass you up and take someone else because I can get a mediocre catcher so much later. But if you do it, like you said, factor in, we're going to have all these utilities. Well, that does elevate Sanchez a lot. The guy hitting 280 with 33 homers, you'll take that all, all day in the late second round. So that's an interesting yeah. philosophy. I like that yeah. a lot. <clears throat> I mean, and, and even if you, I mean, if you look at the defensive metrics, they say he's good defensively. I mean, I've watched enough Yankee games to say that he's not the greatest catcher of all time, but he can throw out some runners. Obviously, he has a pretty strong arm. And like you said, he could always get better. He he doesn't really need to focus on his hitting too much in the offseason. So maybe if he's learning a little bit more about the catching position, it could help the Yankees overall. Definitely. Um, let's talk about a outfielder who is 
goes overlooked quite a bit, 236th overall, which to me is really good value if we can expect anything close to last year, which he was banged up for a lot of last year. Um, very good piece they got from the Twins. He once was a top prospect there. We're talking Aaron Hicks, and if people have seen the pictures on Twitter and everywhere else, it looks like he's lifting a lot of weights this offseason. I'm not <laughs> going to speculate anything, but he's lifting a lot of weights this offseason. Yeah, um, there could be a 20-plus homer campaign in there in that short porch. Uh, what are you what are you thinking about Hicks? Because this is a guy you can get pretty, you know, at least middle of the pack of your drafts and get some good value in return. Absolutely. I, I think he was on his way to a 20 home run campaign last season. Like you said, he was a little banged up and he was kind of slow to come back from some of those injuries. Not only that, but he started off the season really weird and he was hitting the ball very soft. Uh, he, he started off the year with like a 30% soft contact rate and it was really weird. And all of a sudden he kind of flipped it. And he started hitting more fly balls and it started to look like he was really turning something on. And then that's when he got hurt. And it still ended up being a 15 and 10 season for him. Obviously, the OBP is crazy right now with him. I think a conservative guess would probably say 20 and 15 next year with a 360 OBP. And that would certainly be draftable and definitely get a boost in OBP leagues for me. But like you said, he's looking yoked. He was improving the fly balls last year. I think he's obviously cares about his game, so that could be more improved this year. And the power could go up. I mean, 25 home runs definitely is within the realm of possibility with this guy. He plays great defense. And as we have to say with all of these guys, he's in that lineup. So the counting stats are really you know, unpredictable at this point. Yeah, because if you look at just ADPs, I know we keep referencing them, but it helps with the conversation at hand. Um, he's going around guys like Chris Owings, Aaron out there, who might not even be a regular starter for the Phillies. It's Sinsu Chu, David Peralta, Michael Brantley, Dexter Fowler. I'm taking Hicks over all of those guys. Oh, for sure. So much more okay. exciting, so much more upside. I mean, I've seen Aaron Altair go over him in many drafts, and I don't really understand it. I mean, uh, Hicks stole more bases than Altair last year, and I think Altair had way more plate appearances than Hicks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I just see way more upside. The plate, the, the, the plate discipline is ridiculous with him at this point, and I think with that approach and with the way that he looks in those pictures, the sky's the limit. Definitely. Next up, we'll talk about another big breakout from 2017. He um, was leading the team, or at least from the left-hand side of the play, even homers for the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken, with 25 last year. Big year for him, hit almost 290. Uh, Didi Gregorius, at shortstop position, going 113th overall. Again, with the list of names, that Didi stands out quite a bit to me here. Um, We've, we've never seen a year like that from Didi. Let's just be honest about that. Right. But then again, yeah. in 2016, he hit 20 homers at 276, which I would 100% take as well. What are you expecting out of Didi this year? Because all the projections are more around the 2270 profile. Yeah, and I, and like you said, I don't really think that that's necessarily bad. I think um, maybe where he's going, that's not exactly what you're looking for. It is a little bit high this year. He's going right around pick 100, I think, in most drafts. Uh, I think the ADP on him is like right around 113 right now, which is, you know, it's fair. I mean, he put up two good seasons in a row. I think he's going to be a little bit closer to the 2016. Um, but then again, a lot of people are talking about regression with him. And I would just say that he hit a lot better away than at home last year. 
And a lot of people would think that, and rightly so, hitting at home as a lefty in Yankee Stadium is going to be a lot better for those power numbers. And the power numbers were pretty much the same, 12 home runs at home, 13 home runs away. But 251 average at home, 321 average away. If that kind of rounds out, I mean, we could see a very similar season from Didi. Maybe not 27 home runs, but 22 to 23 home runs. Would anyone be upset with that? I don't think so. I think it's going to be 20 plus from here, at least for a few seasons now with Didi. And uh, in that lineup, you got to say it. Yeah, you got to say it. And <laughs> it is crazy because with what you said earlier about you kind of want Stanton, Sanchez, and uh, Judge all together. It makes tons of sense. I see the argument for putting lefties in there, and I've seen projected lineups with DD in the mix there. Yeah. But the way DD hits, you almost want to put him like first or second in front of them or put them right after them type thing. But if they somehow regularly put him in between those three monsters, these numbers could be even crazier because they're going to, every team's going to pitch to DD over them if they have their choice. <laughs> right. I, I mean, so. yeah, I would much rather have a guy like Hicks with that OBP up at the top of the lineup, uh, switch Definitely. hitting ability. Uh, yeah. He, he's, he's a guy that should have been, I felt, and I know my co host Walter was on the podcast screaming about it all year last year um, when we were just starting up. But that was one of his big takes that Aaron Hicks should be at the top of the lineup. And I tend to agree with him. I think that Aaron Boone might make that switch this year. He seems to, they, they seem to really like him this year. They already came out and said that he's going to play center field for them. So uh, I, I really think that he's going to have a good year. I'm not too sure about Didi, but he's obviously going to play. He's got big power potential from the short base or, or short base, short stop position. And there's not really much more you want out of that. There's there's not really many more exciting shortstops after him. No, definitely. I completely agree with you there. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out. And there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones. But everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys... If you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's take a look at some of your pitchers. Uh, we'll start it off with your young phenom, Luis Severino. It's going about 32nd overall in the drafts these days. Some are taking him higher. He's in that sweet spot of ADPs where it's crazy. Like Baumgartner goes 26, and he goes Severino at 32, DeGrom at 34, Syndergaard around 34, Verlander 35, Carrasco 35. That's quite the sweet spot to just take any one of them. But um, you got a guy like Severino who just exploded last year with his 2980 RA. FIP was only 307, so it wasn't crazy, crazy difference. Over 10Ks per nine. Uh, he threw 193 innings, so 200 innings is not out of the question for this kid. 
what do you expect from Severino? Like he is the ace of the staff, but does he have the the makeup to just take it to the next level? Yeah. All right. So here we go. The bias is coming back into effect now because uh, I have him anywhere as high as sixth in my rankings. Um, I haven't yet like solidified them yet, but I think that there's that clear top five. Strasburg rounds it out with obviously the top four sales, Scherzer, Kluber, Kershaw. Um, but Severino, I really think has the stuff to be the number one pitcher. I, he has great walk numbers, or he had them last year. Uh, he had great strikeout numbers, absolutely elite strikeout rate. He's a young pitcher, and he has the stuff to really make it happen. Um, you know, the slider really wasn't even as good. Uh, the slider became better than the changeup. Uh, it all came together for him last year, really, and he had three really plus pitches. Everyone knows how good the fastball is, and it's good all the way throughout the game. The slider was getting swing and misses all season, 17.6% swinging strike rate on that. And then even the changeup had a plus swinging strike rate or near plus, at least at 12.7%. Like this guy's has it all. The ground ball rate is absolutely ridiculous. And I think when you put all of that stuff together, it limits base runners to the point where, you know, he can absolutely put it all together for one season and be the number one pitcher. And not too many of these guys have that upside. I think Thor has it. I think maybe Carrasco has it, but that's kind of the cutoff for me. Mad bump doesn't really have it anymore. DeGrom just doesn't have enough. And I think maybe Robbie Ray could possibly have it, but that whip always worries me with the amount of walks that he gets. And Severino's just isn't anywhere close to his walk rate. So I think that's where they differ and that's why I put him so much higher. And he's so young and he's gotten a lot bigger. I don't think there's any worries about him pitching any innings. Like you said, he pitched 180 last year. So that's uh, that's not a worry for me. I really think it's all there. I don't know about you. No, I, I love Severino. I, I got him late in draft. Well, not late, but later than he should have gotten in draft after we saw what he did last year. So value there. Yeah. Uh, you got a K rate over 29%. Like you said, a walk rate of 6.5 for someone his age is just insane. Like literally he'll turn 24 this year, 24 years yep. old. Um, so development's going to continue. The Babbitt wasn't crazy. So you, people, all those people can't go, well, he got lucky. No, 272. That's legit for a guy with his caliber stuff, less than a home run per nine in that ballpark. Outstanding. There is a lot to like about Severino. And I have no reason why barring an injury, which you say about any of the big pitchers, it's always the gamble you take. But I completely agree. I have him – so I'm not big on Kershaw this year due to the back thing, not saying he's not going to be great. I just can't bring myself to take him over a guy like a Scherzer or a Sale or even a Kluber. Just be, That's just me, and I know a lot of people disagree with that. That's fair. But um, but Severino, I put him even ahead of Strasburg for me. Just We've seen Strasburg's injury history, and that just scares me enough. If I'm, take, if I'm taking a pitcher that high, I want stability. And sure, Severino's only had the one big year – but I have nothing that shows me he can't do it again type thing. Right. I like it a right. lot. Yeah. I, All right. I obviously do too. So, yeah. And and this next pitcher, I know we're talking about him, but I, I like him too. <laughs> yeah. And I know you do. And I'm really glad to talk to you about this because many people know Matt Modica. And I talked to him a lot about pitching like everybody else does. And he was huge on him last year. And I've never been big on Masahiro Tanaka. I jumped on the Tanaka train last year. Uh, it's it was a it was a roller coaster. It was really tilting. If you had the patience, which 
when I talk to people about fantasy, I preach patience, especially in Roto formats, why I like playing Roto, is if your guy gets his baseball card by the end of the year, you're fine. And things, Tanaka finished okay. The ERA wasn't great, 474, but he still, if you believe in the wins, which you need to in fantasy, got you 13 wins. He almost had 10 Ks for nine, but the ERA killed you. But then if you look at his FIP and his ex-FIP, they were lower than the 474. You would have to imagine something's going to get better because it did get better as the season went on. Um, 26% K rate. Didn't even walk that many guys. He just His Babbitt was 305, so you want to talk Babbitt candidates, here's one for you. What are your thoughts on Tanaka? Because I know you're a big fan of his. Yeah, I, I don't really know what there's not to like about Tanaka. Obviously, the ERA. Okay, that's fine. Uh, the home runs, possibly a little inflated last year. But the swinging strike rate was ridiculous. I don't know where it came from. It came out of nowhere. He was third in the league last year in between a few guys you may have heard of. Corey Kluber, Max Scherzer. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, Chris Sale, Robbie Ray, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Archer. I mean, these are elite, elite, elite strikeout guys. And um, yeah, I mean, swinging strikes is a big predictor of K rate. So that could easily come up next year. Um, And we saw random games where he threw like 95 mile an hour four seam fastballs. I don't know where those came from. I don't know if that's going to be a thing next year. But even if not, uh, he had the stuff last year to where it might have even been one of his best years ever. But the ERA just fluctuated in the wrong way for him for whatever reason. And uh, that was pretty much it. Like you said, the BABIP was a little rough. The home runs were a little rough. But the contact rate was at a career low by a mile. I mean, he went from 78% contact in 2016 to 70% contact in 2017. So people just really weren't hitting his pitches but when they were, I guess they were hitting them pretty hard. And it, it and it sucked for last year, but it's something I'm definitely buying into at a discount next year. Yeah, because if you look at his previous seasons where he still has been a workhorse and getting you 150-plus innings, he getting you 3-5 below ERA, still getting the strikeouts. There's a lot to like there. Um, let's play a little Would You Rather with Tanaka because this is where it gets interesting for me. So he's going, let's say, 109th overall is Jose Barrios. Oh, I'm I'm definitely going Tanaka over Barrios. I don't quite particularly like Barrios. He's a little bit further down in my rankings, but yeah, Tanaka over Barrios. This one will probably be easy as well. Going a pick ahead of him at 108, Luke Weaver. Oh yeah, no, I'm not particularly a fan of Luke Weaver either. So yeah, Tanaka over Luke Weaver. Okay, now we'll make this a little more interesting. At 97th overall, Alex Wood. So now 11 pick difference. Uh, yeah, definitely Tanaka over Wood, too. Not At buying 90, into Wood's second half. It was very bad. Yeah, I agree. 96, Garrett Cole. See, that's a tough one. I like the move for Garrett Cole. Um, I'd probably take Garrett Cole just because he really has good velocity. I think moving to the Houston Astros is going to be good for him. So, uh, yeah, I'd go Cole over Tanaka. Not by a wide margin, though. And I could see an argument for both. And my last one I'll ask, he's going 93rd overall. Uh, doesn't have a home yet, but uh, Jake Arietta. Uh, yep, I'm going to be taking uh, Tanaka over Arietta too. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I just wanted to do a little little game there to show the difference. You can get him almost 16 picks later with Tanaka and um, I think get a better pitcher. So something to think about there. And I don't just like over. Yankees. I like Luis Castillo over all of those guys too. 
Well, that's why I didn't ask. That was he's going he's going one hundred and eight, and I knew for I knew pretty well that Castillo. He's a well. Let's let's well let's sidetrack for a second. So you got Luis Castillo. Do you are you going to chase the helium, or how high would you chase the helium? Because right now he's going one hundred and eight. How high would you go with Luis Castillo? I I mean I'm going pretty high. I I don't really know if you have to take him too much higher than that. Right now he seems pretty fair in drafts to me. Um, a lot of people are taking him based on his upside, which is there, but I, I think it's higher. I think he can absolutely be a top 20 pitcher, maybe even top 15 if he gets the strike, uh, the strikeout rate up, which I think he can. I mean, a big predictor of strikeout rate is the fact that he's a young pitcher with velocity that didn't necessarily get the swinging strikes you would have thought that he got last year. Um, you know, his, his slider is nasty. His changeup is nasty. Um, he allowed barely any base runners off of either of those pitches last year. And that's a decent sample size. Um, so, so that's something to look forward to next year. The ground ball rate is ridiculous. I think he, he reminds me a lot of Severino, um, in the NL, which is, I mean, probably better. I mean, terrible park Yankee stadium is not that great either. Um, but really just playing in the NL is going to be a lot better for him. And I think, I think he's going to get Cy Young votes sometime in the future. Dynasty leagues, I'm going pretty crazy. I Walter had to stop me from spending 25 on him in our Dynasty league. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going pretty high on him this year. Yeah, and one thing I really, really like about Castillo this year that people they think, oh, he came up mid-year, so he's young, doesn't have the innings. Between AA and the pros last year, he threw almost 170 innings. So the arm is fine. He's going to get you 180-plus innings this year. And with the stuff like you already mentioned that he has, that could be some tremendous value there. Yeah. And he's not too young. I mean, he's 25 years old. Like he's older than Severino. Like you said, Severino is only going to be 24 next year and he's got the innings. Uh, he's been pretty consistent moving up in innings as well. So I'm not too worried about uh, the velocity being a factor in any injuries or anything like that. I just, I would expect it to, to allow him to reach a higher ceiling. In fact, definitely. Now let's go to probably let's just I'll ask this question first. Do the Yankees have the best bullpen in all of baseball? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't I didn't really think it I didn't know if that was a question or if that was just like a statement, but yeah. It was, it, it was kind do. of implied, but it was leading. <laughs> Who do you think's number two? Uh that, just to be fair to the rest of the audience. Right. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> question because I think that there's a lot of interesting bullpens out there. Number two for me would probably be the Dodgers. I, I really like where they go with their relievers. They they sign a lot of high spin rate guys. Um, they always have arms within their minor league system that seem to be able to come up and be relievers. Who knows whether Walker Bueller is going to spend the year as a reliever too. But anytime you end with Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning, it's going to be a top tier bullpen. Um, the Indians even losing Brian Shaw, I think, think that they have an interesting bullpen as well. Um, you know, that was a big piece. Uh, he was definitely a good guy in the back of their bullpen. He was a right-handed guy with not bad splits. Obviously, he was able to really have a killer ERA and whip for a few seasons for them with a lot of innings. But, uh, you know, they still have Cody Allen at the back of it. They still have Andrew Miller. Who knows if Mike Clevenger comes up in the bullpen? He obviously has the stuff for it. He has the stuff to be a starter. I think that those two are pretty close. 
Um, the Brewers had a really good bullpen last year too. Uh, the Astros, I think, are really kind of lacking behind for a for a high tier team, and I, I they're almost looking like the Nationals. It's not that bad at this point, but it's kind of getting there. I don't know what we're gonna get out of Ken Giles. The Red Sox could be good this year. Carson Smith back for a full year. Didn't quite look Carson Smith last year, but again, anytime you end with a guy like Craig Kimbrell, uh, it, it's a great bullpen. But yeah, Yankees are by far and away the best one. There, there's just no stopping it. Like they really like it, it's kind of crazy at this point. There, it, it's like the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great, great analogy there. Um, <laughs> and it, and it goes to say, even when you take a Severino or a Tanaka, if they have a bit of an off night as long as they get the required innings for a win. Cause again, I, I hate using the win as like a, a stepping point, but we play in leagues where you need wins. Yeah. So you, if they just quality start in it for you, not even great starts from time to time, this bullpen is going to hold the game for them more times than not. So it's just little things like that make a big difference when you're picking between player A and player B. Um, Let's talk about the main man in that bullpen. I believe you already mentioned Kenley Jansen's name. I believe you have Jansen and Chapman on your dynasty team that you're talking about that you're auctioning right now with Walter. If I'm um, Chapman's a monster. He's a heck of a pitcher. He's going 63rd overall right now ahead of a lot of starters, but he's earned that right. Uh, last year, a little bit of a bumpy road for him for Chapman standards. What are we expecting this year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key there is for, for Chapman standards, it was a rough year. You know, it must be nice to have an off year and strike out 33% of batters. But uh, you know, at, there, there was a clear decline in skills last year, maybe not a decline in skills, but there was a decline in his uh, end numbers and there was a decline in his swinging strikes on all of his pitches pretty much. And uh, you know, I'm not really sure what was the case with that. Uh, it, could be a little bit of fatigue, you know, really there's not too much explanation. He still uh, has the stuff. He wasn't getting as many swings outside the zone with his slider. And I'm not sure really what the case was with that. Um, but I, I don't really think that he's going to be that bad next year. And he wasn't bad last year in an off season. I could totally see him regaining some of those skills for next year. And uh, really, we took him in the Dynasty League just because to us, there's only three closers that are really guaranteed from year to year. That's Kimbrell, Jansen, and Chapman. I think we're getting close to putting Roberto Ozuna in there and maybe Felipe Rivero. But I think Rivero could get traded at any time. That's a good contract for the Pirates to trade him off of. And I think we're back to those three, possibly four closers that are going to be there from year to year. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Chapman's going anywhere. And I, I think it's deservedly so still. And it's, it's crazy. Like you mentioned, there's really only three quote unquote stable closers right now. When heck five years ago, or whatever, we could at least nail down half the league. Like, okay, this guy's got the job regardless of what happens. We're good. Now you got to play these guessing games on what happens with this, that, and the other. And that's why when I saw you guys were tweeting out your, uh, your players you got, you got Jansen and Chapman real early. I'm like, well, that makes sense, especially in a dynasty league because now you have the stability. You don't have to worry about penciling together a bunch of $1 and $2 relievers that hopefully close someday. So right. that, that makes a ton of sense there. Now, God forbid something were to happen to Chapman, which we saw last year scared some people. Um, you have Batances, you have Robertson, you have Green. 
I would imagine Batantis is the guy, but we saw that's not necessarily the case. What do you? Where would you go if you had to have a plan B on your fantasy team? I I personally think my plan B would be David Robertson. Um, Good call. You know, you know, just because he's been there before, he put up honestly one of his better career years, if not his career year last year. And, uh, you know, that came with pitching within the White Sox system, a brand new system pretty much for one year. And he really showcased what he could do along with Tommy Canley. And I think Betances is just a little bit better used as a leverage piece. And Robertson just seems a little bit more of that slide and closer for me. Um, but like you said, there's just so many names back there. It could be Batances or Robertson. I don't think any of those other ones really have a chance. But Green is going to be extremely useful because he could get starters innings too. So he could be a guy that looks a lot like Brad Peacock at the end of last year or possibly even like a Chris Davinsky, maybe even a little bit more innings. Yeah, I was thinking that exactly kind of Archie Bradley, Davinsky type, where he's gonna yep. when it comes to ratios, he could be very, very big for a team um, on your on your fantasy baseball team. Uh, a couple names we did not put on the outline, but we can just briefly talk about him. Don't go too deep if you don't want to. A name like Gleyber Torres, uh, everybody knows about him. He was supposed to make his jump last year, got hurt. They're still having him going two eighty sixth overall for a guy that. We're projecting to start the year with the Yankees, but that's still not a for sure thing. We know how good he can be. He was the AFL MVP two years ago. He even played well when he came back last year in AAA, hit 309 in 23 games with a couple homers, uh, steal some bags. Strike it, struck out a lot last year, but he's young. We can work on it. He's only 21. What are your expectations from Torres? Probably more long-term, but what, where do you see an impact this year? I, I think he's going to be up at some point. Um, whether or not it's right at the beginning of the year, I really don't think they're going to make that decision. It's kind of seems like a no brainer for them to save the money on Torres. So I think starting the year with the Yankees is out of the question, but it could be very soon out of the gates. And I, I really like him. I think he's a better real life player than fantasy player. He could eventually put up really good fantasy numbers. He could potentially reach 25, 10, maybe 2020 in certain years. Um, but the power is probably more gap to gap, in my opinion. Uh, everywhere he's stayed a little bit longer in the minor leagues, he's had a pretty good BABIP. He's hit the ball hard, and uh, he's just moved around a lot. It's hard to get a grip on exactly what his numbers in the minor leagues are, but we know that he's a special talent. And I think they're going to want to see him just a little bit longer in AAA, just a little bit. Um, they're obviously going to see him in spring training, but. I, you know, for this season, I'm not going to be drafting him. I still think he's a really good piece in dynasty leagues. Um, you know, the 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 value is not going away in dynasty leagues, even if he comes up and struggles. I think people are really hyped on this guy, and he's going to be a great real life player. The approach is pretty serious, and I, from what I hear, the defense is pretty serious as well. Whether he's going to play second base or shortstop or third base or wherever it's going to be. I, I hear it's going to be pretty sick. So, um, so yeah, Glaber is Glaber is going to be better in real life than fantasy, but you know, still pretty fantasy relevant. Okay. Well then I got, I got a dynasty rank them for me. Torres, Willie Calhoun, Rafael Devers. I really, I, I would say Devers probably number one. Um, I would put, um, I would put Torres over 
over Calhoun just because I think it might be a little bit harder to get Torres's skill set, which might look a little bit more like Anthony Rendon, whereas Willie Calhoun might may look a little bit more like, you know, 270 with 30 home runs, which is impressive, but might be a little bit later in drafts. All right. The last guy I want to ask you about, he's been rumored in tons of trades, just like rid of a contract because literally you don't need him in your outfields. You have plenty of toys to play with there. Talking to Kobe Ellsbury, somehow he's still getting drafted. Oh. He's, he's getting drafted 412 overall on average. He's got as high as 219 in the NFBC. I wonder if that was an accidental auto pick for some reason. Don't know why. <laughs> but um, really, there's no reform to go. We've already mentioned Stanton and Judge and Hicks. That's a great starting off there. You still have Brett Gardner, for crying out loud. That's got to play somewhere. Um, what are they going to do with Ellsbury? Because that's an expensive guy to sit on the bench, but it's like, you kind of need to sit him on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an expensive ass to sit on the bench, man. I like that. But you know what? It, it, <laughs> you might have to. And it, it, it kind of sucks, honestly, because he, he's not that bad of a player. I mean, he's – okay, he's getting paid way too much. We can get that out of the way right now. Like, obviously, obviously he's getting paid way too much. But at the end of the day, uh, he's not a bad player. He's been a two-win player for the past two seasons – uh, he was a four-win player for the Yankees in one season. So the fact that he's not really living out any of these dollars is not true. And you know what? Last year, he had a career-high walk rate. Um, he still swiped 22 out of 25 bags, which at his age is very efficient. Um, he had seven home runs in a limited amount of playing time, 409 plate appearances. So we know that he can produce some fantasy numbers in a limited amount of plate appearances. Obviously, only 410. He may only get that or possibly less if he plays for the Yankees all year. I don't think that's going to be the case because he doesn't want to get traded. He says he doesn't want to get traded. But if he's sitting the bench, he's going to want to get traded. I think Jacoby Ellsbury really wants to play out his contract and see what he still has in the tank. And if it's going to take, you know, a trade to San Francisco, I don't really know where it's going to happen. But at this point, you know, there's a lot of teams that are maybe willing to take a salary dump for a couple of years. Um, the Yankees are good at figuring out things like that. So it could happen. But even if not, um, you know, it, Really, if if they don't find a way to trade him, he's not fantasy relevant, even though he could be. Yeah, maybe maybe he's one of those streamers if someone goes down and you can play him for a couple of weeks or something. But okay. it's hard, and it's hard because, like you said, he's owed a lot of money and he's on contract till 2020, so it's not just a one more year deal. So it'll be interesting to see how they do it because, like we've said, there's so many other pieces there that he's a good asset off the bench, but he's gonna have to sit on the bench, and that's the problem. Yeah, but um, all right, Paul, that was fun. A lot of Yankees talk. Any anything else you want to hit on before we call it a day? Oh man, yeah, I almost forgot that there was other teams tonight, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I would love to. I would love to come on again and we can chat um, the the other twenty nine at some point. Yeah, we'll get to them eventually. It's just we, we only knocked out half the uh, fantasy starters on the Yankees, so we'll have to get to some other ones. Right. Yeah, we. I thought you were going to talk Clint Frazier when you brought up Jacoby Ellsbury when there's no room for him in the outfield. Apparently, there's no room for him in the, the Pirates outfield either since we couldn't get Garrett Cole for him. That yeah, was kind of okay. I, I mentioned that on one of my other podcasts the other day. How bad are the Pirates that you turned down Clint Frazier? Yeah, I mean, I love Colin Moran as much as the next guy. 
Clint Frazier has more upside to me. Colin Moran, you're more buying into changes and those changes could be a thing, but you could also change Clint Frazier if that's what you think he needs. He just has so much more raw talent in my opinion. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not too mad that we kept him. I'm not too mad that we don't have Garrett Cole in Yankee Stadium, which could have been disastrous. And I'm yeah. really not mad at our five starters. I, I think Jordan Montgomery is going to have a pretty serious season. I think a lot of people are overlooking him. He has a lot, you know, a lot of plus pitches, to be honest. And his swinging strike rate says that he could possibly, you know, have a better strikeout rate next year, which it was already pretty high to begin with. So um, I think a lot of people are really missing out on him this year. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of his. I play a lot of uh, DFS, and that was a guy I looked at a lot last year, especially in certain situations where you could take advantage of the, the stuff he had and what, who he's facing. Yeah. Um, very good young arm, and like you said, he's only going to get better. He's so young still. So you like that. I, I love the the bringing CC back as like the perfect fifth starter on a team. Yep. He's There's nothing flashy. You pretty much know what you're going to get. And when you get as many quality starts as he gave you last year, that's all you want. You're not looking for, you know, eight innings of one-run baseball from CC Sabathia. That's not what you're expecting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, your rotation is definitely – like, the Yankees are just – for all the people that despise the Yankees, it's going to be hard to watch this season if you despise the Yankees. Let's just put it that way. Hey, man, <laughs> the, Giants, the Giants are buying the whole league this year. I'm pissed. What's going on right now? The Giants are buying is, the league, man. Man, they got the highest payroll. They're bringing in McCutcheon. They're bringing in Evan Longoria. This is crazy. The Yankees are trying to get under the luxury tax, and there's all these other teams that are that are buying. It's it's ridiculous. You know what I love about it too is the Giants have done these things, and you know people can hate on the ages and this and that and the other, but a it's a hundred percent better than what they put out there last year. So I don't yeah. care what that has to say about it. And b they've done it in a very smart business manner where they're still under the luxury tax. They've made yeah. these moves and like you get rid of a span who wasn't really doing much for us. So it was like a wash, so on and so forth. You worry about the repercussions later. I, I, as a giants fan, I, am I expecting them to take over the Dodgers? Not a chance. I'm not stupid, but it gives them the reality that, you know, if Cueto can be more like Cueto, not the old folks, I don't think that's ever happening again. You get Samarja to be good. He was one of the best, innings eaters in all of baseball for a few years now. Um, get a full season of Bumgarner of at least 80 to 90% of a Bumgarner. It's a 500 baseball team, and that's, you know, one more hot run in there of a week, you're sneaking in the wild card talks. Oh, absolutely. So, I, I absolutely have them in my wild card ranks. I'm just messing with you. Like, I, I, oh, no, I, no, I, I like agree. it. I like yeah. it because the, I went on a big diatribe on this on my other baseball podcast the other day. Is <laughs> There's so much – I see more hate about these moves. And I think it's people that just don't understand the whole deeper meanings of these moves. Like they, they don't see everything that's yeah. happening. They see it on paper. Oh, they took this old guy. That's this, that. And then, and the, and the first answer is always, Oh, it's such a hard ballpark to hit in. And they don't look at the total package of things. You just got two hitters from some of the worst ballparks to hit in also. <laughs> so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really, I mean, and I still love McCutcheon, man. Like you said, they, they yes. just have a whole bunch of pieces. They have a, they have that, team where exactly like you said they're they're a 500 ball club right now the way that they're stacked up and that's all it takes right now to be a few wins out of the wild card it's a numbers game and they're playing it and they're playing it really well right now and uh they still do have some interesting prospects so you know helio ramos and a couple guys down there 
um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm liking what the Giants are doing, even though it's it's kind of confusing. But at the end of the day, oh, and we drafted Samarja too, so I'm rooting for Samarja all year next year. We need another 200 strikeouts. I, if he does that, I'll be ecstatic. Trust, trust me. That means he's that means he's lasting seven plus innings most starts, and that's usually a good thing. So he did it last I'll year, man. Two hundred, three out of the last five seasons. Yeah. He's as consistent as it gets. No, I absolutely love it. Well, Paul, we can talk baseball all day, and we might just have to do that again soon because I, I I can talk all day about baseball. I know you can. Um, Seriously, everybody, everybody, go check out his podcast. It's on the Lenny Melnick's Network of Fun, Real Fake Baseball. Uh, he said he does one with Walter every week, and there's a couple others in between. They're kind of keeping you updated on things. Um, you said you have one dropping today, correct? Yeah, I had one. Uh, I did one this morning, so it should be on iTunes uh, probably right now. Uh, we have one coming out Thursday with uh, actually George Bissell is going to be on the podcast on Thursday. We got to get you on there nice. soon, man. And then uh, we're also, uh, I think. Oh, I'm doing one on uh, Wednesday. I'm going to do a solo show for Lenny. That's going to be live 9 a.m. We always have the chat room going and stuff, so it's it's pretty fun. They always uh, call me out. <laughs> they call out my takes as I'm saying them. It It's distracting, but it's fun. Oh, that could be dangerously fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, man, uh, check him out on Twitter, at Paul the, the Martin. Lots of good stuff, man. I appreciate it. We will definitely, definitely have to do this again. Yes. Thank you, man. It was a great show. All right, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 64. Catch you guys next time.